0: Now, listening to
1: the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. It is almost 2022, somehow, which means the NFL season 2021 is coming to a close. Got a couple. Wild games coming up. Big one for Patriots perspective. A lot to talk about today. Patch Jaguars kind of break that. Hopefully they'll break that two game losing streak. The Patriots are on Rich Hill. Hope you're doing well. And uh, I don't know if you've looked at the slate of games going on so far in week 17, but should be a really good one.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm excited for it. I I think more than any other year in recent memory, as many teams as possible are actually in the running in the AFC. I mean, I am totally team Dolphins right now. I love the fact that they lost seven games in a row, and then they won seven in a row, and now they have a winning record. I couldn't be happier for Brian Flores. Uh, And I think that's kind of just the story of the AFC right now is that anybody can still make the playoffs. And that's exactly where the NFL wants it to be. That's exactly uh, where I as a fan want things to be. And so I'm excited for it because almost every game this week in week 17
1: has playoff implications. They do, indeed. Uh, particularly the Patriots-Jaguars. The Patriots will clinch a playoff spot should they beat the Jaguars, and either the Raiders lose to the Colts or the Dolphins lose to the Titans. But the raiders Colts, and Dolphins-Titans are just one game around the league that has some pretty serious playoff implications, Rich. We've got the Ravens and the Rams playing a game that could be pretty big. we got the Chiefs-Bengals playing. Should be a great game. I know a game Pat's fans will pay attention to is the Falcons versus the Bills. The Falcons Mm -hmm. beat the Bills. Jaguars lose to the Patriots. Pat's are right back on top of the AFC East. You got Broncos Chargers. Could be a good game. Cardinals-Cowboys should be a good game. I'm looking up and down the slate here, Rich. Brown-Steelers on Monday night. Almost nothing is going to be a dub for this one, which is pretty exciting.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, and especially that Brown-Steelers game. Everyone is talking about how this is Ben's, uh Roethlisberger's last Monday night game, his last prime time. This is his, absolutely his final season. He's done after this one, so he has two more games to go. Those will be mostly just a celebration at the end of his career, so it makes sense that it stays in prime time. Uh, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks of the past twenty years. So I, I think that makes sense. Um, the game that I'm watching uh, is absolutely uh, the the banger on on Sunday afternoon. The the two and twelve and one Lions on the road against the five and ten Seahawks. Uh, just because I I and this is kind of twisted of me, Alec. I've kind of really enjoyed the implosion of the Seahawks. They they were supposed to be the next big thing back in 2013. Patriots beat them in 2014. And they've honestly never recovered. Um, And this is just such a fun, scrappy Lions team that has had the worst luck in the world this year. And I think there would be nothing better than a cherry on top of both of those team
1: seasons than a Lions upset over the Seahawks. Yeah, it's weird. You know, you figure the Seahawks, you you watch them. I've I've seen them play, and they they seem like there's this team that they can, they're kind of like the Chiefs, and they can score at will, but they've never been able to put it together. And it's like the Patriots just kind of killed them in 2014 with that Malcolm Butler pick they were primed to the next dynasty go back to back and then the Patriots beat them in the Super Bowl and they haven't really done much since it's pretty remarkable I like the Lions I've always been kind of a Lions fan since the Barry Sanders era I'll always root for the Lions but again the game I'm really watching for Rich is that Falcons Bill's game the Falcons I know they are not a, a elite team in the NFL but they're not terrible They're still in it. They're still in the playoff hunt. The Bills are very inconsistent. They had maybe their best game of the season against the Patriots last week. They're at Buffalo, so it's a very tough order. But while I don't think the Bills are going to lose to the Falcons, I can definitely see Atlanta making a game of this one.
0: Oh, totally. I I think that they are uh, definitely not a good team. I think by all the advanced stats, they're one of the worst in the league, and the Bills are one of the best. So, like, on – like, by record, could be a game. By, like, the actual performances, Bills should knock them out of the park. I think that I want Cordero Patterson just to go ham against this Bills team because I like this Falcons team. <laughs> I think that there's, they're just, like, a lovable band of uh, misfits. They, they have a, one of the weakest rosters in the league. And so for them to be 7-8 and eight, I think is overachieving, uh, even with Matt Ryan at the helm. And so this, to me, reads more than any other game this week, a game where weird things are going to happen. I I think that the Bills have been inconsistent all year. They're coming off one of their best games of the entire season against the Patriots. And I I think what this game is due for is a few really bizarre, huge plays from the Falcons that can keep them in it. I don't know if it'll be enough to put them over the top, but this will be a game that will leave
1: everyone scratching their heads. The Bills did lose to the Jaguars, which we'll talk about in just a minute. So you never know. This has been nothing, if not an inconsistent season all around. Teams that win, lose. Teams that lose, win. There's just no real rhyme or reason to it, uh, including like, maybe the Jets upset the Buccaneers. You just never know <laughs> what's going to happen in Nashville. League. But the two other games that we're going to talk about after the Patriots-Jaguars game, obviously, like I said earlier in the podcast, if New England beats the Jaguars and either the Raiders lose to the Colts or the Dolphins lose to the Titans, both of which could definitely happen, New England clinches a playoff spot. So it is not an AFC East clinching scenario because they lost to the Bills, but they can stamp their ticket to postseason with a win and a loss by either the Dolphins or the Raiders. Rich, in your opinion, between the Dolphins, Titans, and Raiders, Colts, which ones were more likely to fall in New England's way?
0: Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I I think where we stand right now with the Colts, uh, Carson Wentz is on the COVID list. He may or may not be available to play against the Raiders. And so while Wentz is obviously not the engine of this Colts offense, he is still an important piece to it. And so if Wentz is unavailable to go, there is a chance that the Raiders can go and beat them. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor can absolutely take over the game, but without Wentz, it's a much harder order for the Colts to go beat the Raiders. And so I think that's unlikely Um if Wentz is unable to go. I think for the Dolphins and the Titans I actually think that uh, this is where the Patriots will clinch I I think that the Titans at 10 and 5 are actually a pretty solid team they're they're really banged up from injuries but I think that they play sound football they don't make mistakes, it's very much like reminiscent of early Patriots uh, era Bill Belichick where maybe they don't have all of the flashy pieces they're missing Derrick Henry but also they've found ways to replace him within that offense and so it is a solid team, the Dolphins are also a a very solid team. I like them a lot. I would love for the Dolphins to finish the, the season with a two-game losing streak though. <laughs> um, I, I would love for them to end that way uh, and you know what, maybe their future can be bright whatever. Um, I think it would be just lovely for them to both lose to the Titans this week and the Patriots next week and I think them coming on a seven-game win streak where they've definitely had benefit from some of the matchups in the same way that the Patriots benefit during their seven-game win streak. I think that uh, it, it just would based off of the rosters, based off of the talent, based off of like who will be available, I think it's more likely that the Titans beat the Dolphins than the Colts beat the Raiders.
1: I agree with that. The Raiders are really fighting for their playoffs life in a very packed AFC West. The Dolphins are as well. I'm not taking away from the Dolphins, but I do think there's a better chance that the Titans beat the Dolphins because the Titans are just... They're a good team. They're 10-5. They're still chasing that one seed, and that Bengals-Chiefs game, who knows what's going to happen in that one. It's in Cincy. Again, I personally don't see the Chiefs losing again, in the regular season at least, but the Bengals are currently top of the AFC North, so who the hell knows. But again, Rich, none of that would be relevant, and it won't matter at all, honestly, if the Patriots lose to the Jaguars, because A, the Pats are a better team than the Jaguars when everyone's healthy. But B, you and I were chatting pre-podcast recording, and you pointed out that I think the Jaguars currently have more players on the COVID list than able to play (laughs) on Sunday. So at this point, as of this Thursday podcast, neither of us had any clue – who they're going to march out there, what their roster is going to look like. And so it's very hard to break this down because if anyone that wants to go out and look, the Jaguars are completely riddled with COVID and they only have, what, 35 active players in the roster right now? They can't even feel the full team. Yeah,
0: no, um, (laughs) as we were going through this roster – it's shocking it is absolutely shocking that they're allowing this game to continue like I don't even know what the Jaguars are going to do we've seen multiple games this year where teams don't even have an inactive report uh, heading into the game just because everyone's on the reserves and so there's no need to name anyone as inactive but I've never seen a team be like we have uh 35 players. Let's let's go line up. We have enough for offense and defense and like our specialists. But by the way, uh our our punter is unavailable right now. So like he's on the injured reserve. So we don't know what we're gonna do. I think that this is honestly, let's just go through all of the players on the COVID list that are like important to this Jaguars team. Not even noting that they have hugely important players on the injured reserve like Jamal Agnew, an all-pro return man, uh, Dan Arnold, their starting tight end, A.J. can a starting guard, D.J. Chark, a starting wide receiver, Logan Cook, their starting punter. Uh, those are all uh, Carlos Hyde, their backup running back, but also James Robinson, their starting running back. Uh, those are all players on their injured reserve. So they are absolutely not going to be available. And so those were uh, like six starters that they just won't have. But looking just at the players on this COVID list, it's going to boggle your mind. And Alec, I'm going to run through these names. Josh Allen, their you know top draft pick, pass rusher, is on the COVID list. He will absolutely not play because he's unvaccinated. So he will not play against the Patriots this week. Um, that is a huge loss for the the Jaguars' defensive front. They will also uh Ben Barch is a starting guard who's on the covid list. It's unsure if he will be cleared to play. Malcolm Brown, defensive tackle, former Patriot. We all know him. Uh, LeVon Shison, uh, another one of their top def- uh, rotational pass rushers, uh, is on the COVID list. Luke Farrell, a, a rookie tight end that they have, uh, which is only important because they have nobody in the tight end room. Uh, Jacob Hollister is on the COVID list. Chris Manhurts is on the COVID <coughs> list. Those are their tight ends. They had James O'Shaughnessy, another former Patriot who is available, uh, but he's the only one. They had to sign Kahale Waring uh, this week to kind of add another other person to that room uh rudy ford strong safety devon hamilton defensive tackle uh i already mentioned the other tight ends but miles jack starting linebacker is on the COVID list brandon linders starting center uh you had Lorente mccray a rotational pass rusher Jadon mickens you know return man, rotational wide receiver, Uh, Andrew Norwell, starting guard, Cam Robinson, starting offensive tackle, Uh, LaVisca Chenault starting wide receiver, Uh, and then a few other, you know, rotational players in Jordan Smith, uh, Jay Tufele, Jihad Ward, and Damian Wilson in their defensive front seven. But you'll note, I listed four of their five starting offensive linemen are not available, three of them on the COVID list, one of them on the injured reserve, uh, four of their tight ends are on the COVID list. Their top two running backs are on the COVID list. One of their starting wide receivers, as well as their depth players, are all on the COVID list. Alec, what is this Jaguars offense going to look like?
1: <laughs> Honestly, again, this is this is legitimately the premise of a bad Disney movie where <laughs> uh, an entire football team gets really sick. And the head coach, desperate for his job, calls up some guy who happens to live in the town where they're playing. He's an old retired old buddy. Uh, What's the – like the replacements, that Keanu Reeves movie. was Johnny Falco, that's the name of the quarterback for that one. Shane Falco. Shane Falco. I should know that. My last name is Shane. I should know that. We're living in a (laughs) Disney movie right now, Rich Hill. I have no clue what they're going to do. I mean the real question is, you know, given the, the absolute disaster that is the Jaguars 2021 season, they are right now well lined up for that number one overall pick. They fired their head coach mid-season. They've got no talent anywhere. You just kind of kind of wonder if they're just going to mail it in for the year, really make sure they secure that number one overall pick. Why bring guys back early? Why even bother? If you want to just kind of trot the guys out they have, you're going to have receivers playing special teams for the first time since high school. You're going to have your kicker double as your punter. I think right now there's not a punter even on the roster that can that can kick adequately. Um you know, the, I guess the only real question I would have is a lot of these guys on the list that you mentioned were placed there on Monday, and vaccination statuses are obviously a factor. I don't know who's vaxxed, who isn't, but you know, guys that are vaxxed and test negative a couple times, they can activate them up to the day before the game. So maybe a lot of the guys that you mentioned are planning on they're planning on activating them, they're planning on playing, but they're playing that closer to the vest because. They can, and they can make that kind of gamesmanship happen, and the patrons prepare for everybody not knowing who's going to start and who's not. So maybe we'll see some last-minute activations on Saturday, and the squad will be able to feel the full 53.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that is always the chance. There's always a chance that a bunch of them will get cleared and be activated and ready to go. But I think so long right now, as they're on the COVID list, they're not able to practice. And so even if these players are activated, they're not going to have been able to participate in the game planning in the sense of being able to actually practice it out. And so... I think, honestly, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm playing some backyard football this week. I'm just going to wing it. I mean, to be honest, they also have good players for it. I think Tavon Austin, who is still in the NFL, by the way. Alec, you told me that he was on the Jaguars roster before we started. That boggled my mind. I had no idea he was still playing. Um, But he's, like, the optimal player for this. We, We all saw how Isaiah McKenzie gave the Patriots fits. And some of that came with, like, very quick crossers against Miles Bryant, where the Patriots just didn't have a response for that. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars said, all right, well, Tavon Austin, kind of just go for it. I mean, with Marvin Jones and Laquan Treadwell as the two outside guys, that likely means that J.C. Jackson and Jalen Mills are going to be covering them, and so Tavon Austin is likely going to be matched up against Miles Bryant again, and so if the Patriots don't have an answer, that play might be there the entire game. Uh, Obviously, there's a difference in talent with this Jaguars offense versus the Bills offense, where the Bills offensive line played really well. Uh, And and this uh, Jaguars, uh, air quotes, offensive line uh, might not even be able to assemble because they don't have bodies. Uh, So obviously, it's a very different situation. But one way that teams can beat the Patriots is by kind of throwing out the playbook and kind of allowing things to just break down and figure it out as you go Uh, obviously it's not a sustainable way to win a game uh, but it is a way to kind of attack a Patriots defense because of how disciplined they like to play and so by throwing out the rulebook that kind of can get, take advantage away from New England in this and kind of make level the playing field where it comes down to just athletic ability. Um, and if I'm the Jaguars and I actually do want to try and win this game, uh, which who knows if they actually do, that might be the only way to do it.
1: We kind of saw that to a degree the past couple of weeks with the Colts and the Bills. The Colts decided they're not going to punt. The Bills decided they're not going to punt. They're going to go for it all the time, playing wildly aggressive. The Jaguars have nothing to lose trying to win this game other than a potential draft pick, but they have some some wiggle room in that number one overall pick, depending on how other games all around the league. Like The Jets are playing the Bucks, It's not like the Jets are going to beat the Buccaneers. And that Lions game could go either way, but I think the Jaguars are pretty well suited for that first round pick. Maybe they can treat this as a Super Bowl, throw every caution to the wind, and and see what happens. We should also point out, Rachel, that the Patriots are not immune from the COVID list. A couple of important players are currently on that list. Dietrich Wise remains on it. Matthew Judon is a new addition, uh, two big parts of the defensive line. So New England, depending on how things go in the next couple of days, could also be shorthanded. Not to the degree the Jaguars are, obviously, but there are some important players we would like to see out there in the field that may not be able to go. Totally.
0: And it's like the the whole, most of the Patriots' linebacker room uh, has been exposed. And so uh, what are the Patriots going to do up front? This might be a Chase Winovich game, uh, which has been a long time coming and honestly, in my mind, way overdue, uh, because I think he's just not been allowed to participate as a pass rusher. Patriots have relegated him purely to special teams, despite the fact that he's a pretty good pass rusher. And so I would not be shocked if we saw Winovich take over that Judon role on the outside. Van Noy can continue to play opposite. And then we'll have a little bit of a, of a throwback with Hightower and Collins in the middle of the field. But... That said, uh Patriots are absolutely gonna miss Bentley. He's been really ascending this year. Dietrich Wise is a huge piece of allowing the Patriots' defensive front to be versatile. But honestly, Alec, the state of this Jaguars offensive line makes me just not worried about that. There's not this is not a game in which the Jaguars are going to overpower the Patriots at the line of scrimmage. So if there is a game for the Patriots to miss certain players, uh and have them come back, you know, later on, this is the week.
1: I agree with that. And it also might be a good week for the Patriots' offense, too. I remember there was a game against Washington a couple of years ago where the Patriots tried an onside kick early on in the game. They did a lot of weird. They were very clearly not taking the game as seriously as they would have because they knew that he's had it in the bag. There's a better team than the, than Washington was, and they just kind of slapped them around for a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be to that degree where they just open the playbook up and allow Mac Jones to go nuts and see if they can put the ball in his hands, put the game in his hands because you know they still do need to win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive, but. I wouldn't mind seeing them get a little more creative. Maybe get some of the receivers because Aguilar is still in the cushion protocol. Uh everyone else should be okay as far as I can tell. I don't know for sure. I don't know Ramondre Stevenson is back. Maybe get John Smith more involved in the in the, the tight end room. Uh, I can see the Patriots, you know, you you talked to the Jaguars opening the playbook up and just calling backyard football and doing a kind of a lot of fumble brusky Hail Mary hook and ladder plays. If this may be a game for the Patriots to open the playbook up a couple of bit and see what Mac Jones can do, or you want to still play it more conservative, run the ball first, secure the win, and make sure they get the playoff burn?
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, if, if I'm putting my Bill Belichick hat on, I'm going to think it's the latter. I think you see all of the issues that reared their heads against the Colts and the Bills are all just a lot of fundamental problems. Like a lot of pre-snap, just mental errors, a lot of just, uh, you know missed blocks, a lot of poor execution. Um, and so I would not be surprised if the Patriots are like, we are going to use this game as like a preseason tune-up, essentially, uh, because this Jaguars team is not gonna be great. We don't need to use up our playbook here, but what we do need to do is just redefine our like ability. Right now, we really need to redefine how we execute. We cannot allow for these pre-snap errors. Um, I would love for there to be more involvement with Johnny Smith, and I would not be surprised if he had a more productive day. Not because they're trying to reimagine what his role could be within this offense, but simply because I think that this team is going to be hyper-focused on not making mental errors, and Johnny Smith has both been guilty of it and also been affected by it when other players seem to do it during his big plays. And so I I think that we'll see just a lot of simple runs, uh, a lot of just well-executed blocks. And maybe, honestly, some play-action passes, because I think Mac Jones needs to get off the schneid a little bit. Um, And even if Nelson Aguilar isn't available to go outside, this is also not a strong Jaguars secondary. They are still absolutely just decimated everywhere. So I I imagine that this will be a game for Mac Jones uh, to either reconnect with Kenneth Bourne, now that he's had a full week back from his COVID list, as well as, in my mind, get that rapport back with Jacoby Myers. I mean, honestly, it it is shocking to me how inefficient passes to Jacoby Myers have been this year, uh, averaging only 6.6 yards per target, which... uh, I'll just note, it's effectively what it is when you throw to a running back. Like, it, it is not good. That Typically, good receivers are in, like, the 7 to 8 range. Kendrick Bourne has averaged 11.7 yards per target. Basically, Myers is getting a lot of targets and not making anything of them. And so I would love for there to be an opportunity for Myers to actually have a good game.
1: That would be great. There really hasn't been a receiver who's taken over a game. The closest I can think of is that 75-yard Kendrick Bourne strike against Dallas that sent it to overtime. But there really hasn't been an opportunity for a receiver to be like, wow, that guy had a great game this week. Again, the Pats are not built to be a receiver forward team. They weren't at the beginning of the season. They don't have really that that talent level in the wide receiver room. But I would love to see just one guy that just can't seem to be able to stop. And maybe that is the game. And sometimes games like this where you're just – you just outmatched your opponent. As you said, the Jaguars are decimated everywhere. Their secondaries is in, in shambles. It is a, a mental thing, a lot of ways, and a confidence boost is a big deal. And if a quarterback sees that a receiver's always open, it'll go to him a lot more. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say Nikhil Harry's is going to have a big game. I think you and I have both called him out a couple of times and. Still a lot of nothing. Drops and, and great blocking, but nothing really you want to see from a, a first-round pick who's supposed to be a red zone target. So if there's a receiver to take over the game, that'd be great. But I'm with you. I still think it's going to be a, a run-heavy game. I really, really want to see both tight ends have a big game. I'm going to have Hunter Henry-John Smith combo as my X-Factor offensively. Maybe not in terms of just one of them being dominant, but I want to see them get involved a little more. Hunter Henry really came into his own. He's fallen off a little bit as a red zone target, as a security blanket for Mac Jones. Maybe Johnny Smith gets an end around. Maybe they get him in space a little more. Maybe they start opening up his playbook a little bit and see what he can do. But I want to see... I think it's a really good kind of compromise, so to speak, between like a smash-mouth power running game and airing it out. Use the run, but use the tight ends a lot. And let's get both of them involved in this one.
0: Yeah, totally. I agree. I mean, I, I think it's hard for me to even pick an X-Factor in this one because I don't think that there needs to be one. Um, I think, honestly... My X factor is going to be penalties. Can I do that? Can I do that, Alec? I'm (laughs) going to say if the the Patriots are, are just wildly penalized in recent weeks, if they can have fewer than like three penalties, I'll say that the X factor succeeded, which is just a pure dedication to the fundamentals. And so... Uh, that's going to be my X factor. If they can just execute overall on whatever they choose to do without getting a lot of penalties. Um, but if, if you're seeing the Patriots offense getting penalized a lot, uh, then I'm going to say that the X factor failed.
1: Yeah. Well, that's fair. Uh, will JC Jackson get a pick on Trevor Lawrence this week? It's kind of like a little bit of a, a, a interception drought. He's been on.
0: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that the Patriots should be able to get out to a relatively early lead uh, and, and, Trevor Lawrence is not one of the best at protecting the football. Um, Obviously, he's not, like, a huge, like, interception machine uh, because he's thrown a lot, and, like, his interception rate's, like, pretty average, um, uh, but he does fumble a lot. He has nine fumbles on the season. So uh he puts the ball in a place where it could be available. I think that they're going to be throwing the ball to keep up with the Patriots, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots took advantage of the rookie in this situation, uh, by forcing the game script into the Jaguars having to pass. That's where the Patriots defense is at their best. Um, and so I wouldn't be. I, I do expect J.C. Jackson to come away with a pick, and I wouldn't be surprised if if another player or two forced
1: another turnover. <laughs> Well, I'll, we'll soon see, man. Again, this is the weirdest game I've ever had to break down, where there's been <laughs> scenarios in the past where you and I have talked about it, and I haven't really heard of that many players on the team, because I don't watch that much of their their squad or whatever the case may be. But this is the first time I can think of during the history of the Pat Pulpit podcast, where I didn't only not know a lot of the names on the squad, but I don't couldn't even tell you who's going to play, because there's so many guys on the COVID list, and it's really hard to break down a game. We just don't know who's going to be out there. But, I personally think the Patriots are going to win this one. However, you are the one who has the hammer in terms of the predictions. You had the bills beat the Patriots on Sunday. They did beat the Patriots. So uh, let's get to predictions, rich bills are going to be playing for to continue the AFC East against the Falcons. Hopefully they lose to the Falcons. The Patriots win. They're right in here past Jaguars. Who you got?
0: All right, Alec, I think this is the game where the Patriots finally figure themselves out. Obviously, uh, beating the Jaguars should not be considered a testament of anything whatsoever. But I, I think good teams destroy bad teams. And I believe that this Patriots team is still a good team in there somewhere. Uh, and so I think that the Patriots are going to win, and they're going to win comfortably. I think this is going to be a game somewhere along the lines of like 31-13. to 13.
1: 31-13. to 13. That's a blowout and a half. I will take it. Uh, one thing I'm specifically going to be looking for in this game, I think the Patriots will have a number of red zone scoring opportunities. That's one area where they've really struggled for a couple of years, actually, scoring in the red zone. Ever since Gronkowski left, they just haven't had that that red zone threat. I want to see the Patriots get in the red zone and finish it with touchdowns and not field goals. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, as big of a, a score as you said, but I think it's going to be a very, very one-sided game. Cutting on it a twenty three to three. I just don't think the Jaguars have any offensive firepower whatsoever. And I feel like the Patriots are gonna basically score, maybe get get up like seventeen to nothing in the first half and then just kinda play control ball or something kinda goes wrong or they can't quite finish things off and they they stall in the red zone again and it's a field goal or something stupid to keep it a little closer than it should be. But uh, maybe the Giants get on the board on the board later. But I think a 23 to three game is is where I'm going with this one. That's fair.
0: I like that. I mean, this is a Jaguars team that ranks dead last in the league in scoring points on a drive. Uh, they are just absolutely terrible. Uh, They're also last in the league in forcing turnovers while on defense. So this is a team that is missing every crucial piece. This is a team that has no idea what their identity is. They are playing for the off season. Uh, and so this should be hopefully a good tune up for the Patriots as they head towards the post season. Hopefully they can clinch it this week. Um, but otherwise I hope that they can at least reach their, their 10 wins on the year, which is pretty good. I think that's where we all kind of set the ceiling. Um, and for them to achieve that with a week to go, I think is a good space for them to be Alec do you have any final thoughts on this absolutely absurd week 17 of the NFL season?
1: I'll tell you, Rich, if the Patriots lose this one, uh, they don't deserve anything they have (laughs) coming to them. So hopefully, uh, we're, we're singing a nice happy tune come Tuesday for our next podcast.
0: Totally. Absolutely. If they lose to the Jaguars, they should just go kneel down the ball every single drive against the Dolphins. They don't deserve to play anymore. Um, so (laughs) Alec, (laughs) until next time, uh, hopefully we'll have a happy, uh, podcast next week. But until then, you have a good one.
1: You too, buddy. See ya. Better.